How's it going, everybody? This is me again, your host, Chewy, welcoming you back to the podcast titled Expert in the Myths Behind the Legends. And, as always, I am graced by the presence of my good friend, Monica. Hi, guys! <laughs> so, <laughs> you've had a long day, you know, and I've had a eh day. It's been eh at work. Uh, spare you all the details, but, yeah, it's just more of the same. <laughs> Dude, so I got a text today, which was really random. So it was like a, a group text and it says, Dear parents, this message is to notify you of the academic performance of your child in ninth grade world geography here at Valley View Early Campus College or College Campus. Yeah, and then it has the name of the student, right? Uh, and talking about how like the kid obtained a grade of 65. Uh, <laughs> and, like, and then I get a picture of the report card. I'm like, uh, uh, that's not, I'm not them. And then I, I, I wasn't going to send anything, but I was like, dude, what, who the hell doesn't check the numbers before they send this stuff out? You know, like, it could have been, like, sensitive information. Yeah. And I was like, his full name on there, his grades, like, I don't think, you know. So I sent a text back then, and I was like, Mr. Herrera, because that's the name of the teacher. I was like, I'm not one of the parents of this student, nor am I related to them whatsoever. I would suggest that you verify the numbers you send this information to, as I doubt Mr., you know, the kids' parents would be comfortable with strangers receiving their child support uh, report card. Who, by the way, should be doing great. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow, I, was, I don't have a freaking kid who is going to Valley View. Like, what? Speaking of so, random. <laughs> whoever you are out there, Mr. Herrera, you know, get your stuff together, man. Like, check, <laughs> verify the phone numbers before you send them. Like, whatever. I, it might have been somebody who had this number before, but like, it's likely still. Because that still. happened to my mom for a while. Like when she uh -huh. changed her number, maybe about one or two years ago, she changed her number from the number she had before, obviously. And so once she got that number, uh, maybe a couple of weeks later, she started getting calls around uh -huh. seven, eight in the morning, like, you know, like almost every day. Yeah. And she's like, what the hell? I don't know this number. And I was like, well, if you don't know the number, don't pick it up. But yeah. uh, this this kept happening for about a couple of weeks, you know, like almost every day, like you know, every like maybe three times a week, you know. Oh, wow. So by the end of the second week, she picks up the the phone line, and this and the person was, uh, "Hello, Miss So and So. This is the secretary from La Jolla High School calling, but your child is not in class in time, for the what? nth time this <laughs> this week, whatever." And she was like, "I'm not who you think you're talking to. Like, you know, this is not the right yeah. number anymore." Uh, so I'm guessing that's also what happened. You know, she had a, a different number that a, a parent had for it. And, and full disclaimer, I used to be a teacher in a public school, actually in uh -huh. Valley View, by the way, in that district. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, I shall keep my experiences to myself, but um, <laughs> they were not very pleasant for the most part. But anyways, it happens quite a bit. And, and even when I was working as a sub in a different school, I mean, I, I would hear people talking, and parents do that all the time. They change numbers because they get so many calls that they, they don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. They disconnect their numbers or change the numbers so that you can't reach them anymore and you can talk to them about how bad their kids are being, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, and it's, it's messed up because I saw the kid's report card, dude. He's doing great, you know? Like, he's got, like, 70s and then his average score is of, like, 85. I'm like, what are you worried about, sir? Like, I mean, he's doing fine. Like, <laughs> it's school, It's relax. one bad grade. I mean, chill. He, he, he'll, he'll, yeah, survive. I mean, he'll survive. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> send a letter. Don't send any freaking text messages. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
Well, I mean, <laughs> that was kind of a weird rant to start our episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I had to share. You know, I, I, I'm intrigued now. I'm, I'm hoping he responds, and I want, I wonder what he's gonna say. He probably won't, but you know. Nah, he won't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that that itself can actually be pretty horrific if you think about it, because like you say, it can be some weird, like serial killer person that now has sensitive information in their hands, and you know. True. I mean, it could have been, you know, a freaking pedophile or whatever, you know, like, and he would have sent me all this information. I know the kids, where he goes to school. Like, that's not something you should be sending to random numbers unless you know for sure that they belong to somebody, the person that you're intending to be sending messages to. Like, come on. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's kind of a weird rant, but yeah, I, I appreciate that randomness tonight. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't really have a lot going on. I mean, it's the same for me. I, I had just been working, you know, my mm-hmm. job, etc. But anyways, uh, reminder to our listeners, <laughs> you want to hear more <laughs> about random topics in the beginning of our podcast, do let us know. But our Facebook is under Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. Our Instagram is Myths Behind LGDS. Our Twitter is Myths Behind LGDS. And you can also email us at mythsbehindlegends at gmail.com. Cool. And our link tree is also under mythsbehindlgds. And our website is under myths-behind-legends.mailchimpsites.com. Yes, that was a mouthful. <laughs> I've been practicing that. <laughs> In the mirror. Like on my way to work, I'm like, myths hyphen behind ah. <laughs> like thinking of the best way to say that ah, no, but <laughs> so monica what topic are we discussing today for our audience that even though it's in the title they may have no clue still <laughs> um we're talking about hellraiser and the creepy cenobites chan, chan, chan. and right before we get into our next segment where we talk about the actual movie for a bit i just want to say it's one of my favorite movies yeah mine too i i i think I mean, I saw them a long time ago when I was younger, because, you know, they came out a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, those used to be one of my favorite movies, too. Like, those were the best ones. Because that guy, man, the pinhead dude is so creepy looking. Uh, like, Yeah, and we'll talk about him right now. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, so now that we got the, the audience all riled up <laughs> and excited, <Yeah. laughs> uh, let's go ahead and take a little break, and we will come back right back, excuse me, with our movie critique segment. Okay, everybody, so we have uh, our first segment of the episode tonight, and it's the movie critique in which, if you're a first-time listener, we give a brief overview and opinion on the movie, the characters, the scenery, the music, etc. And like I mentioned in the intro, it's one of the movies that I saw when I was... I think I was maybe about seven or eight years old when I saw it, which means I saw it a few years after it came out. It came out in 87. I was but an infant in those times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was about three years old, uh, but 
I saw it when I was about, like I said, six or seven. So I don't remember exactly the moment that I saw it, but I remember seeing it. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this? <laughs> uh, so I, I was I was thoroughly freaked out by the center bites, like you mentioned, because they, they do have like a really creepy look to them, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the, the director of the movie was Clive Barker, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is also the author of the novella The Hellbound Heart. Okay. On which this movie is based. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with any of his work? I've... Well, didn't he also do, like, uh... He's not the same guy from Nightmare on Elm, on Elm Street, right? That's no, another guy? No, that would be Wes Craven, my friend. Wes Craven, there we go. I don't know why I got him confused. But yeah, I, I mean, I've heard... there's. I know he's made other movies, I think. But I can't remember right now from the top of my head, but... Um, well, actually, uh, some of his short stories have been adapted. You might have heard of a little movie called The Candyman. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love The Candyman. That's one of my uh, favorite movies. Or I think it's just called Candyman. But the, the the story that that movie is based on is called The Forbidden. And it's a little bit different. I mean, of course, every time they adapt movies to books into movies or stories into movies, they get some details mixed up or, or changed for the sake of drama or whatever. Theatrics, yes. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. And then another one that he made that was or a story that he wrote that was made into a movie is uh, a movie called the midnight meat train which i think is a hilarious name so it sounds it sounds like a porno <laughs> yeah, <I got> it. <laughs> <laughs> you know the midnight meat train but uh, that was about a serial killer and, and a, a yeah. photographer finding out that this guy kills people in the last train but anyways that's a little bit besides the point but i just wanted to kind of bring up the other work he's done because that kind of reflects on the kind of work he's done you know as far as <laughs> Yeah. horrific and, and really gory and, and dramatic dramatic excuse me that's um, a new word dramatic <laughs> dr- dramatic <Demotic. laughs> I mean, that's like quite british i don't think but um <laughs> so and this movie uh like the other ones that i just mentioned actually most of his stories in his books have a lot of uh sexual themes in them i don't know if you've seen those other movies or even in this one I mean, this one did for sure have a lot, uh, but that's also like so back in the '90s too. Like uh, most of the movies, re- like had a lot of sex in it too. I don't know if it's because it's like the idea of you're very vulnerable in that state, you know? Because like there was in Wishmaster, the one like I suggested earlier too. Like that one has that also. Basically, every movie, every slasher movie, mm-hmm. every movie like that from the '90s there was always sex involved yeah always. I, I think this guy does it a little bit different though because in the other ones usually it's teenagers yeah they're they like you know being sexually active uh-huh. whatever and, and the camp and getting killed by jason or whatever yeah this guy is a little bit more mature i think he's um geared more towards like in the sense that his protagonists tend to be adults rather yeah than, rather than teens and how they're exploring pleasure through sexual encounters and, and different types of uh, activities, for example, S and M stuff. Well, yeah, in this case, yeah, <laughs> masochism, basically. Uh-huh. Which basically, this movie is, is an S and M uh, person's like dream come true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because of all the hooks and and blood and chains and leather that's and whips and. <laughs> so of course that that's another thing that that a lot of his stories have with like in them they have uh, some elements of of. Uh, bondage snm stuff like dom- domination control stuff like that uh-huh and also of course blood yes 
Uh, but this this one and this particular movie, the blood is important because it revives Frank, the the main bad guy. Yeah. Because I want to talk about something real quick. I don't know if you agree with me. Do you think that Frank and Julia are the villains, or do you think the the Cenobites are the villains? Frank, dude. The Cenobites are just there to do bidding, you know, people's bidding. But mm -hmm. like, Frank is the one that's all twisted. Like he can't. He's I don't know what. He's so obsessed with pain and pleasure at the same time uh -huh. that everything that he's tried is not enough, and he's insatiable. So like, he had to go to extremes to find the next best thing. I don't know. That guy's crazy. Yeah, he was a little out there. <laughs> yeah, not only that, but like the freaking wife, man. What's her name? Julia. Uh huh. This chick wasn't even married yet, and she or she would. Or did they get married that day? Right. They were gonna get married sometime that day or the next day or whatever. Cause <laughs> yeah, and she freaking sleeps with her future husband's brother, and then is like in love with him and stuff yeah. because he controls her or whatever. Like is more. I guess interesting in bed that her, you know, boring freaking husband. Why, why does she marry him? Why does she marry him if <laughs> she was not with Frank? Like, to keep him close? Like, that's so messed up. They're so different, though, right? Like, I mean, the the, yeah. the lady and uh -huh. uh, Julia and the guy is Larry, the one she ends up marrying. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the, as you have so called him, the, the boring brother. <laughs> He's a jerk, too, though. Like, he makes all these backhanded comments and stuff when they're moving in. Yeah, I, I think he's he's like lame. <laughs> he is lame, and he's a jerk. Uh, and I'll get to him in a minute because I, that's one another point that I have here in my notes. But yeah, just to close off the the, the topic of the, of the recurring themes, of course, we talked about the S and M and the the sexual themes and the blood. Blood. Uh, once again, you know, the blood is really important because that's how he. Uh, well, because by the way, Frank gets you know finds the, the puzzle box. Uh -huh. Which I don't want to elaborate too much on the mythology of Hellraiser because there's like a lot more sequels, I think eight or nine, nine sequels maybe? There's nine, yeah. And you find out a little more about how uh, Pinhead was, or the origins of, of, of his, you know, his character. In uh -huh. the later sequels, in, in part two and three specifically, you find a lot more about him. But that box, you later find out that it, it's called the Lament Configuration. I don't think that's mentioned in this movie at all. Mm -mm, no. Uh, but it's called the Lament Configuration, and it was created by some some guy in like I think the 17 or 1800s, maybe, uh -huh. in France because he wanted to open a gate to hell or something. It's a little bit unclear to me right now, but basically, you know, he creates it and he ends up summoning these, you know, beings. Yeah. Which isn't really clear. They're, they call themselves, they say that they're demons to some, angels to others. Which, depending on on your take on life, I guess that's how you will see them. I'm guessing Frank thought they were angels because it was all pain that he wanted. Jesus. Yeah, because uh, Pinhead, he's the one that, that when when uh, the girl opens the the box in the hospital scene, he's uh -huh. like, we are explorers of the further realms or whatever. He has a really badass quote and I forgot right now. I, I, I wish I had written it. And then he's like, we are demons to some, angels to others. And by the way, Pinhead's voice is awesome. It's like, on point, dude. It's like, his, his, uh -huh. his the way he, he speaks... <laughs> Not only the way he speaks, yeah. but the way he delivers his lines. It's like, I don't know how he... How, what kind of effect he had with his voice. Because I've heard the guy speak, Doug, Doug Bradley, the the actor. He uh -huh. speaks, he sounds nothing like that. His voice sounds completely different. So I don't know what kind of effect he had to his voice to make him sound a little creepy. And like, oh, like deep voice and everything. Uh-huh. So that, that was pretty cool, I think. Um, 
uh, about the movie techniques or the, the shooting techniques, I don't know if you noticed, but I saw a lot of close angle shots, a lot of mm -hmm. people's like faces and, and really narrow shots. And that was kind of frustrating for me because I, I couldn't see what was going on like in the scenery. I guess because he wanted you to see what the, the characters' reactions were like. Yeah. As far as their, their facial expressions, whatever. But to me, that was a little like, dude, like, zoom out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what's around. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a cinematographer, of course. I mean, but but uh, I noticed that a lot of the, the scenes had a lot of close angle shots. Yeah, that's true. Uh -huh, Everything so... I can remember right now from like the movie literally is people's faces. Like, <laughs> just like right here. Yeah, because even the house, the house is weird, though, with the way the house is built. Yeah. It's like a big it's, strip. It's really weird, like, the way, like, it's just a little room, like, it's so awkward in there. It's like, there's two rooms per floor. I'm yeah. Not, like, is, there's, like, when you go in, there's, like, the, the little, what do you call that? The, the foyer, I think? Uh -huh, yeah, uh-huh. Where you come in, and the kitchen. Yeah. And then there's stairs, and there's like two be two bedrooms, and then you go more upstairs, and there's the attic and like a storage room, whatever. Uh huh. It, it looks like like you know, <laughs> like a chorizo, dude. Like a what? Like a chorizo, like you know. <laughs> like... <laughs> it looks honestly like so. I used to work in leasing, and the the little townhomes that they have around here, they kind of look like that. And the bottom floor, it's literally like you turn, and the stairs are right there. And there's only like a little space. It's not even like a living room or anything. It's just literally like this a storage area for you to put like your shoes and stuff and maybe your coats or whatever and like random little things. And then you go upstairs and it's like, you know, the, the living area or whatever. And they had limited space for shooting, you know, and they were focusing more on like all this other stuff rather than the house because the majority of things happened in the attic. Yeah. Right. And then in like the other dimension or whatever. So... They didn't really focus too much on the the structure of the house or like yeah but i mean i brought that up because e even the house itself is like constricted it's like a small space yeah. it's like there's nowhere to go there's i don't know I, I, like my claustrophobia was kicking <laughs> no yeah i get you like, so i felt too like it was too crowded there was no room for anything really like it was just very yeah. uncomfortable yeah and that's because i'm not claustrophobic like and not in, in the hardcore sense i mean I, I can be in a room like for hours but uh, the, the, just the way the movie was shot and the house itself, like it was just everything was like in small rooms and small spaces. I guess that was done with the added effect of making people uncomfortable. Because if that was the case, then I was one of the the, Same. the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the music? It's very nineties <laughs> <laughs> or eighties, like late late eighties, yeah. I don't think there's any outside songs like like they didn't license any songs from anybody it's just the uh -uh. composer's um work yeah and i i for one want to say that that uh the the main theme of hellraiser is one of my favorite themes really yeah like when the movie starts it's just really uh -huh. cre like creepy dark and foreboding and i don't know I, just it, it sounds regal like something High class. <laughs> I, dude, you're like hardcore geeking out on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because it's one of my favorite movies. And when I found out that Clive Barker, I mean, when I was younger, when I found out that Clive Barker was the director and the author of the the, the movie or the story, I, that's how I came to know about his work. Mm -hmm. And I read some of his books. I haven't read all of them, but I read a, his collection of stories called the, the Books of Blood, Okay. which is pretty neat. 
And then I have a few more of his books. The one that I liked a lot was called The Greatest Secret Show. It's kind of a weird title. Um, but that one was, was a, it's kind of like, wow, it's, it's, it's a really intense book. Uh-huh. Uh, definitely one of, one of my personal favorites. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I'm geeking out, because this guy is one of the authors that, are, that I've read and that I've liked the most. Mm-hmm. His work and also his movies. And like I said, you know, his other stories that got adapted to movies are also pretty good. Yeah. Like Candyman and The Midnight Meat Train. Which mm-hmm. I think incidentally is part of the collection, the Books of Blood. I think that, that that story is in that book. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude. For me, I mean, definitely the music is one of the high points of this movie. It's, it's awesome. Like, if I could compose a, a theme like that, I'd be like, dude, I've 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 lived. One <laughs> <laughs> at life. I have arrived. Even if like you know, it, it, it's <laughs> like nobody hears it except like my friends. I mean, I don't care. It's, it's to me that would have been like awesome. Nice. Um. So we talked about the look of the Cenobites a little bit. What do you like about him, or, or what do you think is cool about him, if, if anything? It's like, he's calm, but you know, like, he's evil. It's like, an, it's weird, the way he carries himself, basically. He's just like, eh, whatever, this is my job. I'm very chill, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like that. <laughs> That's a very uh, eloquent analysis, my friend. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> So the the thing that I like about him is like you said he he is more of an intellectual villain. He's not a slasher like Michael Myers, like Freddy Krueger, like Jason. That he actively hunts his victims. For one, you need to search for him or or grant him access into your life by opening that box, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of like the person's fault. Whoever opens that box, you know, that they let that thing into their, you know that person into their life. I mean, going back to the word regal, he's he's very regal, like really proper, really uh, high class, I guess. Uh-huh. Kind of a, a villain. And, yeah. Uh-huh. And the thing that I don't like so much is that we don't see too much about him in this movie. So I had seen it a while back. And I was expecting more screen time for this guy. Because, like, dude, that's like when you think of Hellraiser, you think of Pinhead, you know? Uh-huh. Um, And I re- realized that he wasn't... He's not really in the movie that much. Like, he's just in a couple scenes. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I thought he was, like, <laughs> all over this thing. He's just kind of like a consultant, basically. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like they have scenes with him. He's like just talking about stuff. Like, there's no, it's it's not as much as I remembered. I guess I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's because in the other in the next movies, he is the the main villain. He becomes the 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 face of the franchise, so to speak. Because okay. there's an interview that I, that I watched with the actor Doug Bradley, and uh-huh. he mentions that same thing. He's like, uh. Clive Barker, you know, the director, and myself, we didn't realize how popular this character could become. Uh-huh. Because as soon as we saw the, the screenings, and we, we show the characters, you know, the, all this, not only me like, as Pinhead, but the Cenobites, everyone's like, oh, yeah, whatever, like, people are cheering, like, you know, they're really excited to see these characters on screen, and they don't, because they don't see him for, for very long. And he was like, yeah, I mean, it, it was something of, of, a, of a revelation to us that people were reacting that, to these characters like in the way they were doing. <laughs> so I guess that's why eventually they started to incorporate him more as the as opposed because in part two, you see Frank and Julie again and another guy named Dr. Chenard, I think, is, or Chenard. I, I forgot the way you pronounce that. Uh-huh. But you see more about the origins of Pinhead. You, you find out how he came to be and who he serves in hell. It's, it's this being oh, called okay. the Leviathan. Oh, wow. And it's funny because, like, I, I don't know if... So that that comes out in um, in uh, Supernatural, but like the Leviathan are like 
these weird beings or whatever that mm. has more to do with like the Bible than anything. I yeah, think. I, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I haven't read the Bible in years, so I'm not. I mean, if that creature or, or whatever it is, it's mentioned in there. I, I can't remember. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you find that, and again, I don't want to talk too much about those movies because we might do, I mean, I for sure would like to do at least part two and three, maybe. Yeah, uh, I'm down. In, in future episodes, but uh, I don't want to talk about them too much because, you know, if we end up doing these movies, I don't want to, you know, use up all the info. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you, you find out more about Pinhead and everything else, that you know, that what happens to Frank and Julia after this, mm-hmm. this movie ends. Do you have any final comments before we wrap up the, the movie critique segment? I just really think that julia is a very shitty person <laughs> that is all in general yeah because like dude she's simping over this guy who like <laughs> it he's probably all he wants is for him to get his body back right and she's like oh we're gonna run away he's not gonna run away with her he would have <laughs> ran away with her after they you know banged the first time and he didn't because like she wasn't enough and she will never be enough yeah and actually uh, hold that thought because we're gonna talk about that in the know that enemy segment by the way okay so, so if you have any further things to say about them that will save them for the next couple minutes because we'll you know we'll unload on them <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so i was gonna give this movie a different a different rating but i'm gonna go i think all the way tonight oh wow i'm gonna be like frank and 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 explore my pleasures here (laughs) (laughs) and even though this movie has its flaws because of course no movie is perfect and and the acting in this movie i thought was a little stiff that's like my this is like my final comment sometimes it was a little especially the dad the larry character i think he was a little bit too like out of it sometimes or like kind of just phoning it in i don't know I think it's just a style from back then. A lot of the movies are like that. Uh, I think so, but but I mean, so I was gonna you know take off a couple of points for that, but I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna be like Frank and just go all the way. Nice. And I'm gonna give this my rating for this uh, movie critique. Uh huh. Are you ready for my units, by the way? Yes, I am. <laughs> I think I, I might know what they are. Okay. Okay, so I am giving this movie a ten out of ten leather spank paddles. Oh man. <laughs> I thought you were saying heads. Uh. <laughs> no, that, that's cool. That's cool. Leather spank pedals because you know it's it's S and M and people are into that. True. <laughs> True. Um, I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna go with an eight. Uh huh. I'm gonna mess up your. <laughs> no, it's okay. Because I was gonna I was gonna give him an, an eight also. So I'm oh, just okay. cool. I'm changing. My, I'm simping over this movie as as you like to use that word. Thanks. Cool. It's so weird. Thanks, uh, Gen Zers, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Who says boomers can't learn? Add. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm a millennial over here, so, you know, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what I am because I'm not a boomer and I'm not a millennial either. You're Gen X, aren't you? Kind of? Uh, kind of. Like towards the very end of that movement, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Early 80s. But, yeah. So your eight and my ten averaged to a nine leather spank paddles out of ten for this movie. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> so that was our movie critique segment. Hope you guys enjoy that. And we're taking a little break again and coming back with the academic segment tonight.
Okay, Monica and everybody out there in the audience, we have reached the academic segment in which I <laughs> show off my research skills and speak to you about connections that movies and stories have to maybe not always real life stuff because the stuff I'm going to talk about today is not, I mean, it, it's a little weird. I'm going to share some information with you guys that I found on how to summon demons and ghosts and creatures. Mm. <laughs> so you gotta take a break for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna take the headphones off so that I don't hear all this information. <laughs> but in essence, because uh, that's what they do in the movie, they, they summon these supernatural creatures, the Cenobites, through this mechanism or this puzzle box, the Lament configuration, right? Mm -hmm. So I always try to connect events in the movie. I mean, I, I could have done a whole bunch of different things, but I chose the weirdest, of course. Uh, how do people claim to be able to summon stuff like this in real life? And I found a few things. I found this webpage. It's got a weird name, so I don't know how legit it is. I, I, I'm just sharing what I found with you. Do not accept this as truth. But, but uh, before we start, I need to do a disclaimer, which we always do in cases like this. <laughs> Monica and I are not responsible if you try this at home and get dragged to hell or worse. Smiley face. <laughs> so if that happens to you, bro, sis, whatever you call yourself, uh, yeah, don't say we didn't warn you. So basically, this is a, I think it's a blog or, or some sort of like page, you know, that, that it's called scoophoop.com. Okay. And I found this uh, list of 20 things. I'm not going to go over all 20 because it's, it's some of them, it's like the Ouija board. I mean, everybody knows about the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them I didn't think were that interesting and some of them were like a little bit too far. Like, there's an incantation on how to summon Lucifer himself, by the way. <laughs> so if you want to find that out for yourself, I'm not going to share that with you guys because I don't want to be responsible. And that's how that's why I added that disclaimer. I don't want to have anybody being dragged to hell. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. uh, but if you want to make yourself be dragged to hell, I mean, you can go into scoophoop.com and find that info all for yourself and then go on your merry way. So apparently one of the things that people do is they can use a mirror to call witches. Okay. And so the way they do this is the room needs to be well lit. You light a few candles, turn off the lights, and then once there's enough wax like melted from the candles, you splash some of that wax into the mirror. Uh -huh. You sprinkle salt around yourself and like kind of forming a circle of protection. And the room needs to be very quiet. And then you take a knife and carve into the wax the type of spirit you want to summon. So the word, like, so you want to summon, a, you know, a ghost or a witch, whatever. You you write that into the wax with a mm -hmm. knife, and then you prick yourself with a knife and put some of your blood in the mirror. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the chant is is here, and I'm gonna share that with you guys. Monica, cover your ears, earmuffs. Ah. <laughs> She's doing it, by the way. Ah. So the the chant is. <laughs> Witches course through time, we are in need of assistance. Oh, a spirit come, we beckon you. Share your stories, come into the morning light. So what do you think of this? If it involves blood, I already know it's not going in a good direction, so... <laughs> no. no. I mean, they don't specify what the purpose of this is as far as like why, like, I mean, are they going to grant you a wish? Are you going to control them? Like, they don't specify what the, what the ultimate goal of this is. I'm, I'm actually for any of these. They don't really specify what the end game is, uh, but as they just give the methods on how, on how to summon these things, and I guess it's up to you to figure out what, what to do with them. Uh, once they have your blood, dude, like, I mean, and that's just in, like, superstitious generalization type of thing. You're giving a part of you to something that you don't know 
you know, the amount of power that they hold or what they are, what they can do. At that point, you're their little plaything because you gave your blood. So I have an anecdote that's uh, somewhat connected to that because somebody once told me a story and this person's not somebody that I call a believer because they're not a believer. They don't believe in anything. I mean, they're not religious. Uh-huh. Somebody in my family. I'm not going to say who it is because I want to keep them anonymous. Mm-hmm. But they said that, they, that when they were growing up, they they were walking home one night or one evening, and they came across this like field in which they saw uh, people sitting around the fire, and they had this like machete, and uh-huh. they kind of like did like the sword and the stone thing where they like threw it onto the floor and like it was like standing upright, and, you know, buried in, in the dirt up to a certain point, whatever, uh-huh. and. Uh, these people kind of started reciting some weird stuff and then a, a bird landed on on a tree that was nearby and then when they finished the, their incantations whatever a, a woman fell from the tree what at which point my family member just uh, decided it was right about the time to get out of there <laughs> yeah. so uh, this person didn't know what happened after i mean and i i'm inclined to believe that they might have seen something that is close to that maybe not in that because uh, from what i understand they were not exactly sober mind you okay uh i mean even though they were young they were already kind of like maybe like teenagers you know and yeah. uh so still i mean like it's uh, apparently I, I later found out that's how you can summon a witch in some circles you know Interesting. so uh that's not on that website by the way this is like a like a personal anecdote from a family member and i hope they approve no. of me sharing that ad. <laughs> well i'm not, I'm not seeing their names so that's that's cool Okay, another thing that I found on this webpage is you can speak to the dead through candlelight. If you want to speak to somebody that's not with us anymore. Mm -hmm. Basically, the way you would do that is you light a white candle and focus on the person you need to speak to. You grab two small papers and write yes on one and no on the other. Underneath the words, you sketch a chan-chan-chan pentagram. So so then you place the papers as close as you can next to a candle because you you don't like the candle. You're gonna add salt to the to the wax to make sure that the spirit is bound to the to the to the fire, I guess, or to the to the candle itself. And then you're gonna ask, is the spirit with us right now? So the flame is supposed to tilt one way or the other. You know, if it tilts tilts to the yes, you know something's around, and you can start asking questions, whatever you want to find out. And if it goes to no, then you know it's not working. So the way you, you can end this is, you can just snuff the candle out. I mean, apparently there's no. Uh, Mm. Seems sketchy. Yeah. It shouldn't be that simple. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> so again, I found this on the webpage and, and you know, I'm just reading off what they're writing. So most of these are pretty simple. They're not asking anything like any weird any weird ingredients or, or you know, anything like that. So I don't know. If that was the case, I think everybody would be able to do this in their home. <laughs> like, right. I mean, if it's as simple as that. <laughs> you know there's something similar to this in the sense that you can ask a spirit to show themselves to you uh-huh. so you can think of a fam- of a person that's or a family member that's no longer with us and you can say this just anywhere not no not there's no specific place or, or thing you need to do all you got to do is this spirit show yourself spirit reveal spirit come to me so i know you're real and it says here <laughs> you should now see or hear a spirit Interesting. <laughs> I mean, do you believe this? No, the fact that the fucking 
thing rhymes. Like, that's... No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of like no. something like a little kid right now. Like, maybe... Like, yeah, like... it does. It does. <laughs> I mean, because going back, I mean, if, if it's that simple to summon the spirit, I mean, everybody could just do this. Yeah. Although, I will say this. I, I think, me personally, and this is my opinion, by the way, it's, it's not in, in, in any way me trying to convince anybody of anything. But I do think personally that that some people are more sensitive than others to these things. Yeah, I think so too. Because some people, no matter how hard they try, they're never gonna see or, or feel or experience anything like this. Yeah. Because they're just not tuned into the right frequencies or whatever, so to speak. I think yeah. some other people are a little bit more sensitive, and they can be even like not even trying to do anything and, and experience weird stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. So I, I mean, again, it's just my personal conclusion or opinion on this. Uh, you can also, by the way, summon a vampire or werewolf, my friend. I know. I think <laughs> So if you want the pet around you... Uh... <laughs> uh, I, got, okay. I got more. I'm good. Okay, check it out. So for this, you need a few things, actually. For these, you actually need ingredients. So you need a paper. Okay. You need a pencil. Mm -hmm. Salt and lavender. Okay. I have all of those things. Okay. <laughs> I, I wonder if, like, lavender fabuloso works. Uh, maybe. The, the cleaner. <laughs> so, according to this, you take the paper, you draw a spiral in it, like a like a circle, like a, you know a galaxy, whatever, uh -huh. and then you draw an X, uh, you know, crossing that thing out, you know, the the spiral. Okay. Uh, you sprinkle some salt around the circle and then burn the lavender, and now you chant the following: "I summon you, a vampire or werewolf, to this room." I command you to stay in my circle of safety. I summon you so I may ask you for my purposes. So more be. And that's it. That's what you gotta do. You now have a vampire or a werewolf in your bedroom. Sweet. <laughs> you can also summon the Grim Reaper. Why you would want to do this, I, I you know, I guess... If right? You, if you got a death wish... True. <laughs> uh, I wonder if it's the same as Santa Muerte, like people do in, in Mexican culture. Kind of the same thing, no? Like, I mean, well, I'll go into that in a little bit. Let me just go go ahead and read the Green Reaper summoning ritual first, and then I'll compare that to uh, to our uh, version over here in Mexico. So basically, if you want to summon the Green Reaper, speak to them. You need huh. twenty candles, and you need to arrange them in the shape of a circle. So then you light them clockwise. You're standing in the middle of the circle, right? Mm -hmm. And then you chant the following: Grim Reaper, Grim Reaper, I summon you, Grim Reaper. Be my servant, be my friend, may it be cast as this spell is made. So, apparently the Green Reaper is a, a slow one because he takes a couple days to show up to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a busy thing, you know. Death is, uh, you know, can everywhere. You, so. Can you imagine how a comedian was like, oh, man, I gotta walk to this guy's house now. Like, ah. Here we go again, <laughs> one of these guys. Can summon me again, Jesus. So, uh, but apparently, this this character is harmless. He can be your friend. The Grim Reaper can be your friend. According to what I read here. <laughs> uh, because I, I mentioned that because in in the Hispanic version, the Santa Muerte is nothing like that. I mean, if you summon or if you bind yourself or, or make some sort of contract with this being, the story is that you are bound to them for life. Yeah. There's no way to break that, and you need to. Uh, it's kind of like. You need to do certain rituals at certain hours of the day to make sure that, that you're complying with whatever. Because the, the, the way that this works, reportedly, is uh -huh. that if you summon the Santa Muerte in, in Hispanic culture, 
you can ask for anything and they will grant it to you. Anything. It can be anything. Uh, but you gotta pay the price of being bound to them by doing these rituals on a daily basis. You can't miss any of them. That's crazy. So if, if it's like, hey, like at 2 in the morning, you gotta do this. At, at 7 in the morning, you gotta do that. At noon, you gotta do this. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, what what's going on in your life. You have to you have to do whatever they tell you, because supposedly when you ask for this the wish or the favor, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. they give you the the rules. Okay, so at this time you gotta do this. Uh -huh. This time you gotta do that. I mean, this is what I've heard people talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm not and I haven't done this. I haven't seen anybody do it or been present when they do it. But having spoken to people that have reportedly done this, that's what they say. And sure enough, they, they got to build a shrine to it in their home. They yeah. Gotta, they got to dedicate a room in their house or a space in their home to this. You got to put a little sculpture of it mm -hmm. and light candles and have, jewel, you know, in some cases, jewelry or, or money or coins or objects like cigarettes or cigars or stuff like that. Uh, because that's what they want. You, hey, like at three in the morning, you got to light me a cigarette. Okay, so you got to get up at three in the morning and light a cigarette for the Green Reaper, you know, Santa Muerte. You know, at 8 in the morning, you got to put, you know, some salt in this cup, whatever. So, okay, so, you you know, I'm just saying random stuff, but that's, in general, the essence, right? Yeah. But the reward is that you will eventually get your wish come true. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. So, I mean, that that sounds a little, I don't know. So, there's some people that may be worth the price. I don't think it's worth yeah. it for me. No, I wouldn't want to around to some spirit or whatever. <laughs> no. I need my sleep. I'm sorry. Same. <laughs> Especially when I'm drunk. I mean, I'm, no. anyways. Uh, <laughs> so if that's a little bit too edgy for you, too uh, gothy or whatever you want to call it, you can also summon an angel instead of a, the Green Reaper. You know, so if you want to speak to a heavenly creature, all you uh -huh. got to do is, again, a very simple ritual, my friend. You light a white candle at midnight and you say the following. Oh, heavenly creatures of the light, I call you to come to this place now. <laughs> And an angel just shows up. Apparently. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I didn't finish that. You, uh, after you say that, uh, oh, heavenly creatures of the light, I call to you, come to this place now, so mote it be. There you go. That's that's the, the full incantation there. And now you have an angel in your house. Wow. <laughs> what would you do with an angel in your house? I don't know. I mean, especially, have you heard the descriptions of the angels in the Bible? They're supposed to be really creepy, no? They look nothing like the paintings of the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed creatures with, oh. with wings, and they look all pretty and, and handsome, whatever. Mm -hmm. The angels in the Bible, from what I remember reading, is they, they look like freaking creatures from, from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, dude. Like, they look they have, like, tentacles and eyes and all these weird features, you know? So, I know. Because the essence is, or, or the I think the idea behind all that is that if you were to see a creature of the heavens like that oh. your mind would just not be able to comprehend what they look like yeah. so um you see whatever like your mind makes up in that moment because otherwise you would go insane wow which is kind of the same idea as hp lovecraft when he wrote his mythology on, on cthulhu uh-huh that that monster or like the elder <laughs> gods you know was as he called them the, the idea is that if you were to see them in their true form you would go insane automatically like you wouldn't like be able to comprehend their appearance what it is yeah so i mean that's kind of the same thing with the angels from what i remember from, i mean if i'm mistaken by the way anybody out there you can correct me and that's cool i have no problem with that because i'm just uh saying things as i remember them uh and the last one i'm going to talk about for tonight is the haunted call spell and basically this allows you to see spirits for three to five days no sorry for three days my, sorry 
for three days. So, if you want to be able to see spirits walking around you for three days, you got to do the following. You got to take five green candles and light them. So then, you take five petals from a red rose and you got to burn those in the candles. Apparently, one per candle. So, one petal per each candle. Mm-hmm. You take a knife, you prick your thumb, and let the blood drip in the candles without getting the flame out. So, you're kind of like on the side of the flame, not on the flame. Right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like dripping down the, the length of the, the candle. And now you gotta chant the following. God of my world and the next, lend me your sight. Give me, give the power to see things that can give people fright. Too long they've been trapped in the dark, but now let them in the light. And then you douse the flames finally with the juice of a lemon. According to this, you should be able to see spirits walking around you for the next three days, my friend. I can see by the by the look of you. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the camera, you think this is all a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this sounds like a little too easy. I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to bring all these up because, of course, I mean, and I'm not trying to make fun of these people, the people that believe in these things. I mean, because I believe in supernatural stuff. However, I, I would agree with you in, in thinking that, okay, this is just, nah, this is, there's no way, this, no. Mm-hmm. Do you have any final thoughts on all this? Any more comments on... on... Life is not that easy. I doubt tapping into the different planes of existence is you know <laughs> so yeah i mean because imagine okay. like anybody could have proved the existence of, of uh, another realm or, or dimension or whatever by, by doing these rituals you know mm-hmm. uh by the way if you are interested in maybe more intricate or more <laughs> uh complicated summoning rituals there is literature on that one of the most famous authors, and I'm just going to mention this real, real quick because we're closing up our segment already. But Aleister Crowley is one of the most famous ones that he supposedly has, a, or either wrote a book or co-authored a book or something like that. Mm-hmm. That can be used to summon some demons. And also the Book of Solomon, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. It's, it's like a legendary book. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's real or not. Uh, I just have heard about this you know, from different people. And they say that the Book of Solomon holds the key to summon different either demons or... or beings from another plane of existence Mm -hmm. so if you want to find out more about that you can seek those out yourself (laughs) (laughs) i doubt they have them on amazon but you know Uh, or you know yourself out uh, maybe because one of the people that i've that i've talked to about this is my co-worker he suggested a movie that that, uh that we should do a movie and i have the name written down and i just don't have it in front of me but it's about this lady that uses the book of solomon to, to summon something to grant her a wish Mm-hmm. Right, and the whole movie deals with, with the ritual, with, like leading up to that to that summoning. Uh, so, I mean, if you're looking for that, that's out there. <laughs> uh, maybe if we decide to do that movie, we'll do it and then talk about that a little bit more in depth. But in the meantime, you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> so, having said all that, that was the academic segment tonight. I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, like once again, we're not trying to make fun of anybody, but it's just kind of. I, I thought it was interesting the way that people think it's it's so easy to to conjure these beings into existence you know yeah <laughs> so we'll be right back with the know thine enemy segment
Okay, so for the Know Then Enemy segment, uh, if you're a first-time listener, by the way, this is the part where we describe the villain more in depth. And as we mentioned in the intro, or the first segment, I forgot which one it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> Frank and Julia Cotton are the villains of this movie, right? Yes. Not so much Cenobites, because Monica and I have agreed that the Cenobites are kind of there just to do their job. They're kind of like, you know, the the, the gremlins, or not the gremlins, but the, the what is it? The lemmings? Oh. The, yeah, the lemmings, henchmen, you know. Kind of, kind of like following their, their uh, you know, uh, this is what I gotta do, so okay, I'll walk this way, I'll walk that way, you know. Uh, yeah. Not to take anything away from their character, I mean, because they are they are important characters, they're, they're pretty creepy and gruesome, but the main focus of the story happens to be Frank and Julia, mm -hmm. right? And their classification would be dual-natured because they seem like okay people. Well, Frank, maybe not so much. Uh, no. no. <laughs> even from the beginning, he was a little shady, right? Yep. But they do things that are messed up behind closed doors, for example, killing like three or four people for their blood. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, Frank and Julia, they, they seem like, I guess, regular people. They don't seem like anything that's, I mean, up, up even before Frank got summoned to hell and skinned alive, whatever. Uh -huh. He just looks like a regular dude and he's like a regular human. But he's doing all these things, as you mentioned, about, you know, seeking pleasure. And we'll get to that in a minute. The backstory of Frank is that he's Larry's brother, Larry's the, the dad character, mm -hmm. and of course Julia is Larry's wife. So they have an affair, and you mentioned that Frank was kind of like the one that controlled that whole deal, right? Yeah. I feel like she just was like intrigued by his like his behavior, the way that he carried himself, and I guess she never had something like that. And then when you put when you compare him and you know his brother Larry. Larry's just like me, and he <laughs> and over here like you know Frank is over here all like intriguing or whatever. So she's like, ooh, but like, come on, man, why is she even marrying Larry in the first place if she's not like all about him? You know, like, what is the point of her getting together with that guy if she wants a guy like Frank? <laughs> that's one thing that I didn't get either because yeah, it's, it's why would you want to spend the rest of your life with with somebody that's not who you're after or what you want for yourself yeah exactly and then frank doesn't care about her he's just like getting himself off he's just doing whatever the hell he wants and he doesn't care who he hurts in the process because like that's what he's attracted to also you know the destruction of everything that he's doing and she's over here like a <laughs> and like oh my god yeah i'll run away with you like oh, i'll help you i need you yeah she she goes for the bad boy doesn't she yeah, but she she's just a pawn though. She's so yeah. stupid that she doesn't see it. Yeah. I mean, she looks like a stereotypical housewife lady, yeah. like in her like middle age, I guess forties maybe. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is pretty. She's she, she's a nice looking lady. I mean, I, she's alright. She I, but she seems to be like bored with her life and yeah. like. I mean, but for the time, I mean, like, cause, cause she, she's got that '80s hairdo and the the clothes. I mean, of uh -huh. course. I mean, but but even for that time, and I mean, I I would have thought she was in, like. And a great, uh, an attractive woman. I mean, yeah. if, if I was an, if yeah. I was an older guy, you know. Yeah, like she's okay, but like that's the thing. Like she's like she seems like she's not happy with her life, and she's like very, but she doesn't have the balls to like go out and live her truth, which is to be in like she's a masochist basically. So, uh -huh. you know. Yeah, I, I, know. I think she's somebody that that maybe was like too sheltered or or not hadn't like branched out like you mentioned. So she like she yeah. comes across this character Frank and. He's like all dashing and, and swept like, sweeps, like yeah. So she like jumps head first into that pool, you know, like on her wedding dress. Oh, that's right, yeah. She, 
sex with him on her wedding dress. What a bitch. Like, wow. <laughs> the audacity. Yeah, and then, of course, that dress probably got more action. Uh -huh. on the not only that, she wore it and then she probably like had Larry take it off the next freaking night. Like, no, yeah. it's the worst. Yeah, the worst. Not, yeah, that's that's not a cool thing, Julia. That's, his brother. Yeah. Like his brother, dude. Like, come on, man. Of all people, right? Of all people that she could have had an affair with. I know. It's like there's a bunch of other bad ones. Just go go to a freaking bar and you'll find some weird ass dude in there. Like, why'd you have to like sleep with your? Hus future husband's br like brother, like come on. El cuñado. Yeah, say. And he, he's just like whatever. He's like, yeah. oh, what about Larry? She, she asks, what about Larry? What about Larry? Fuck Larry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why are you asking that question? You already know where this is going. I mean, she's oh. not, she's not stopping him. So she's, she's already, no. she's kind of just like trying to make up an excuse in her mind, like, well, oh, I tried, you know, but... Eh. I, I tried to push him away and, like, be like, oh, Larry, like, wow, wow. Love each other. No, no, no. Le ganó la hormona, as we say. I know. Poor Larry. I mean, he's Larry's kind of a jerk, but, like, nobody deserves that, like... Man, uh, he, he is a little jerky, I guess. Uh, <laughs> beef jerky. Yeah, because uh. he makes a, it's a comment, you know, when they're, like, pushing the mattress up in the stairs. Yeah. And, and like, the... First of all, the guys he hires to move the mattress are creeps too. Oh yeah, yeah. And like they're over here like looking his wife up and down. He never once goes like, hey, like what are you looking at? That's my wife, like have some respect. No, he doesn't care. Instead, he gets mad at her for not like- For not getting beer. Giving them beers because <laughs> they asked for beers. And these guys are movers, like they're no one. And he's like, well, I guess I'll go get them since no one's getting like, dude, like, <laughs> tell them to shut up. Like, they're they're supposed to help you with the fucking couch and not drink at your house. They're not your friends. Like, Yeah, they're the your employees for the day, so I mean, come on. Right? And she doesn't owe them anything. Like, why the hell is she going to go get them beers? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man, priceless. I, I didn't like his character too much. I mean, I, I, I didn't sympathize with him. So when he died, I was like, okay, good riddance. Like, I man. Like, I feel like he still would have married her if he knew that she slept with him. He'd be like, we can get past this. But that's the kind of guy that Larry is. Nah, be like, what? I mean, he might have even been into that kind of stuff. I mean, the maybe, messed up family. Because the guy even tries to make a move on his knees. Frank. Oh, yeah, dude. And like... Ugh. Dude, I yeah. mean, that's, that's a whole different level that I don't know if we want to talk about no, right now. That's but... your freaking daughter. Like, no. And another thing, you know, while we're on the subject of Christy or whatever her name is, uh, whatever her name is, but she shows up too at the house, and those creepy mover guys are there too, and oh, try yeah. to make him her. He's like, "Oh, who's that?" He's like, "Well, that's my daughter." Like he doesn't. He's such a little bitch. He won't even like defend his own freaking daughter from these creeps. Like. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, that, that's, no. that's uh, yeah, that, that's that's the line should have been drawn there for sure. Yeah. I mean, even at the wife, you know, but I mean, when they go for the daughter, I mean, come on, dude, like... I know. What about their goals? Because I think they have different goals. I think Frank, for sure, like you mentioned earlier, he wants to just heal himself and go out and keep being Frank. Yeah. Uh, but Julia actually seems to believe that they can actually have a future together. Like, what future, Julia? What future? <laughs> like, he just uses people. That's all he does. For his own benefit, there's no future there. Yeah, because like you, I think you also mentioned earlier that when they were they finished their their affair, whatever their their deed, when the sequence cuts to them already being done, whatever, 
he is like, oh, it's never enough. And he throws like a little like tantrum yeah. thing. And he, tries, he tries to walk away. And she's like, no, no, come back. Ah. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, Literally, Frank doesn't care. Nah. Frank doesn't care. Whatever you do is never going to be enough for him. No matter what you do. Like. Yeah, definitely, dude. And, and so, yeah, definitely. I, I think she's probably convinced that this guy actually might love her. But of course not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's dumb. <laughs> so... Uh, they don't seem to have any, in their human form at least, in any sort of supernatural abilities or powers. But then when Frank comes back from the Cenobite realm, he is able to drain a person's blood and use that blood to heal his own body, right? Uh-huh. Julia is just using her, her feminine looks to attract, you know, weird... To trap guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. weird-looking lonely guys to go in there and get killed. Uh, my question would be... Do you think Frank could still do that after he's fully healed? Like, could he actually keep using a person's blood to heal himself, or...? He would probably deteriorate if he didn't have the blood. Mm. You know? Like, kind of like a vampire. Like, if they don't drink blood, then they can't survive. He's, that, he's gonna have to be killing people constantly, and it's gonna get worse. That's what I think. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I would have thought that, that, yeah, maybe he would have been able or, or been able to do this, uh, not in the context that you're mentioning, like, where he's forced to do it, like, because he has to. Yeah. But I think he would have done just because he wanted to. That too, I yeah. Mean, or maybe both, I mean, but but for sure, I mean, I, he would have wanted to for sure, I mean, because he's a sadist, he's a, mm -hmm. you know, he, he enjoys using, like you said, using people and taking advantage of them. Yep. So, as far as their weaknesses, I mean, again, since they're not really supernatural creatures, uh, I mean, in in the usual sense, I guess. But Frank mm -hmm. is, like, terrified of the Cenobites. He's, like, scared of them. He wants to run away and, like, never see him again. Like, ghost them forever. Which is funny, because, <laughs> I mean, that's what he wanted. And then he got it. And he's like, oh, it's too much. Yeah. So, uh, I guess he finally met his match there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not really, because at the very end, when he's getting gutted again, when he's wearing, or uh, pulled, away by the, pulled apart by those chains. Uh-huh. There's a, a point where he looks scared, but then he's, like, enjoying it. Also, like his little facial expressions, he's like, and he like licks his lips like in pleasure, and it's like, oh yes, yeah. no, give it to me, kind of thing. <laughs> so I mean, this guy is, oh, is he's weird, man. He's he's, he's a character. Up. He, mm -hmm. He's a character, and of course, Julia's main weakness will be Frank because she will do whatever he tells her to. So yeah, I mean, that that would be the respective weaknesses. I, I think uh, Frank, of course, the Cenobites, he's just like terrified of them, and Julia is just head over heels in Frank right. but I want to say it's love as much as it's lust for her yeah I think she really is in love with him for whatever psychotic reason that she has but like yeah she's in love with him she thinks it's love you know I think it's because like I said like she has never had anything like what he gave her so now she's over here all like like <laughs> but yeah like you know but it's like it's not real you know but she wants to believe it's real because she wants a guy like him, who's just crazy, <laughs> to want her, even though he doesn't. He's just using her. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. This guy's, and you see it in in the scene where he kills her. Mm -hmm. Because it's by accident, quote unquote. Like he's trying to stab the daughter, Christy, yeah. and she moves real easily out of the way, and he just like stabs Julian. He's like, well, I guess. Well, it's not personal. And he like drives the knife even <laughs> even further on, like inside of her. And it's like, okay, dude, like. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this guy definitely didn't give any Fs about this, this lady. No. Mm -mm. Um, what is your final opinion on them as villains? Uh, do you think they're effective? Do you think they're creepy? Do you think they're eh? I think, I think they're 
they're good villains because they're realistic. I mean, in the sense that there's people like that in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's, I mean, that I know of, such thing <laughs> of, like, some dude coming back by drinking the blood of, like, dead people, so, yeah. Uh, but I, I would elaborate on that because I-, I agree with you. I mean, I think they're pretty effective. They're, they're scary in the sense that you can find people that would take advantage of, of someone else. Yeah. And, uh, they're involved. This is really the definition of a toxic relationship. <laughs> yeah. Since that mm-hmm. word became so popular in, in the past couple of years, I mean, this is this is you want to see toxic. This this is, is the this is exactly what toxic is. Yeah, toxic, this is toxic yeah. right here. You know, this is just to to the and limits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, uh, one last question I wanted to ask you before we close up the segment is, mm-hmm. why do you think that even yourself you mentioned this earlier? Why do you think that people remember more the Cenobites as being the villains as opposed to these guys? Because they're iconic, and they're what you expect a villain to look like. They're very memorable. Mm-hmm. You know, as compared... Because I completely forgot about the other characters, but I always remembered the Cenobites, you know? So, I think it's because they literally look like your worst nightmare. So, of course, they mm-hmm. look like the villain. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that it's, for one, the look and, and their demeanor. I mean, they, they are pretty creepy. Like, Pinhead gets a lot of credit. But yeah. the other ones are creepy as hell too, man. Like the, that uh, chatterer, like <laughs> with the teeth. Oh no, dude, all of them are scary. Like, <laughs> and then uh, the other one with the glasses, they call him Butterball. With, sun- <laughs> with sunglasses. And then the other one, I forgot what she's called, but she's pretty creepy too. I mean, the, the way she delivers her lines and her her, her facial mm-hmm. expressions too. I mean, she's pretty creepy as well. But I would also say that I think it's because people are more willing to accept a villain that's not human. Yeah. Because then that would, uh, me being the 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 pocket Freud psychology here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pocket Freud. I think that just real quick, uh, people don't want to see a human as a villain when there's a creature like that in the movie, for example, or, or uh-huh. a group of creatures, like the Cenobites, because that would mean that humans are worse than monsters, yep. or that they could be worse than monsters. Which in this case, I think they are. They yes. I don't mm-hmm. know what you might have to add on that, if, if anything. No, I mean, I agree. I think that's true. Like, it's easier to accept something creepy like that to be the bad guy than somebody who could be your brother or your sister or your mom, you know, or a friend or whatever, you know, like, that's a lot more scarier because it's real, mm-hmm. you know, and you know them or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. It's it's awesome that we agree on that. So we have come to the point in which we give our rating to these uh, two villains, Frank and Julia Cotton. What is the number of skulls you give them on the scare meter, my friend? We'll go with ten. Ten. They're the worst. Worst. Yeah. Chan chan chan. Surprisingly, I'm not gonna agree with you on that either. Huh? I'm gonna give. Him, I was gonna give him a little lower, but I'm gonna since we've been talking about him and and I'm, I'm again being like my my exploring my, myself. Ah. <laughs> that sounds a little weird <laughs> especially on the microphone um, but I'm gonna give it a 9 okay I'm gonna give it a 9 I was gonna go a little lower but I'm gonna give it a 9 because uh, I just don't like I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say here um, it's a little weird I don't know I, I feel like there was something that was not quite right about it I don't know I mean, nothing was right about it, <laughs> really. Yeah. You think about it, but but uh, well, you know. So it's uh, nine and a ten. It's nine and a half. I mean, it's, it's 
I think one of, I think it's one of the highest scores we've given to any villains in our episode. So that's cool. Yep. Awesome. So that was our Know Thine Enemy segment in which we described <laughs> the villains of this movie. And we'll come right back with the closing remarks for tonight's episode. Okay, Monica and everyone, let's add face because we have reached the ending of our episode tonight once again. I want to thank everyone that's been listening to us. If it's the first time you're listening, also I want to thank you because you have uh, joined the group, uh, the group chat, <laughs> so to speak. So yeah, thanks everybody that's been listening in, uh, has been giving us feedback, ideas, suggestions, comments. We are thinking about all the stuff you guys are telling us. The update on the merch, uh, we are working on that. I will be ordering a certain item sometime this week. I was going to order it last week or this past week, but um, I, when I came back to the cart, it was more expensive. Than the, so I was like, what the hell? Like, what, what happened to that? <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently they charge more on certain dates because of shipping rates, whatever. So I'm going to order this item uh, maybe early this week, maybe on Monday, which today is Friday, so in a couple days. But anyways, shout outs for tonight. I want to give a shout out to Mr. Danny and Mr. Robert for giving us positive feedback on the Chupacabras Jam from last episode. Nice. They heard it, they thought it was pretty cool, they gave, us, they gave me some cool comments on that, so I appreciate you guys, thank you very much if you're listening. If you're not, I shall let you know that <laughs> you were giving a shout out in today's episode. Uh, I also want to give a thanks or a shout out to Clive Barker, the author and director of this, for being cool. Nice. He's a great author, dude. If you haven't read his books, I recommend you start with the Books of Blood. Uh huh. Or maybe the collection that's called uh, The Inhuman Condition. Or also the other collection that he has, which it's called In the Flesh. Okay. Those are all like short stories, like you know, maybe like 20, 30, 40 pages, whatever that, that you know you can get through in an afternoon, mm-hmm. an hour or two, whatever. And so you can get a sample of his reading, and then maybe read the books because the books are long. So, do you have any shoutouts for tonight? Yes, to the Arcane Carolinas. I got the sticker in the mail. It's my water bottle now, so thank you guys for that. That was so cool. That was a surprise, my friend. I had no idea you had gotten a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I didn't say anything. I was waiting. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I think it's fair for us or for you to take a picture of that water bottle so I can post it on our Instagram. I will. Uh, when I get mine, because I, I checked my mail this morning and it wasn't there, so it might be here tomorrow or sometime in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shall do the same. I shall take a picture and post it on, on whatever I attach that nice. sticker to. But yeah, of course, yeah, thanks uh, to, once again, to Charlie and Mike for letting us collaborate with them on, on the last episode of Chupacabras. They're going to air, once again, that episode in their podcast, Arcane Carolinas, towards the end of February. It's, it's confirmed now. So okay. uh, I had heard that it was towards the middle of the month or whatever, but they confirmed that it's going to be towards the end of the month. So in a couple of weeks, you shall be able to hear uh, myself, because Monica couldn't join us that time, mm-hmm. talking to them about the Chupacabras. And they're going to also feature some other... Uh, I believe a book author, so be on the lookout for that, by the way. Thanks. Awesome, Monica. Thank you so much for that surprise. You're welcome. <laughs> that was great. Uh, reminder for our listeners, we do have our social media pages. We have our Facebook under Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. We have our Instagram under Myths Behind LGDS. 
Our Twitter is MythsBehindLGDS, and our email is MythsBehindLegends at gmail.com. Okay, and our link tree is under MythsBehindLGDS also. And our website is, get ready for this, Myths-behind-legends.mailchimpsites.com. If you want to be a guest on our podcast, you want to contribute a story, an account, something that you feel you want to share with us, positive feedback, even if it's negative feedback, if it's constructive, we look forward to that because we think we might be thinking that we're doing things the right way and maybe you guys either think we can do something a little different that will mm -hmm. make this experience a little better for all of us. And we're down for that. I mean, we, if you guys have any ideas on segments or topics, by all means, do write to us because we look forward to that. Yes, we do. All right, Monica. So what is the hint for next week's episode? What is the movie, creature, whatever it is that we're going to talk about with the audience next? I'm going to... It's a phrase. So it's be careful what you wish for. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic squirrel music. <laughs> I got to find that little clip because I, I kind of created one on my, on my own and it sounds a little weird. <laughs> so if you guys have been listening to the latest couple of episodes, I've been adding like sound effects here and there, so it's a little bit more involved, I guess. But yeah, but that, was, that was a great hint. Uh, be on the lookout for our next episode next week. And do you have any final comments, my friend, before we sign off for tonight? It's time for bed for me. <laughs> I should be <laughs> awake for the next couple hours and I don't know, do my usual stuff that I do. I can't sleep. I haven't sonia. But anyways, that was our episode for tonight on Hellraiser, the movie Hellraiser, classic from the 80s. Definitely, again, one of my favorites. And I look forward to us doing at least the next couple of months, my friend, in the future episodes. Because the latest, or the, the later sequels, rather, got a little bit weird, and I don't know. But for sure, <laughs> the, for sure, the first two or three, maybe, the, 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 the third one, I can argue that it's a little bit weird already. But uh -huh. I, I still liked it. But anyways, have a great evening, night, morning, nooner, siesta, playtime, whatever it is you're going to do. Uh, you're, if you're with your boo and you're hitting that leather... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's a little weird, but okay. More power to you if that gets you going. Uh, <laughs> listening to us while that's happening. Uh, yeah, have a good one. Bye.